on the list of all-time finger wags. There's Joe Namath, there's Dikembe Mutombo. Everybody else kind of looks like Mother Goose when they do it. Garrett Cole's extended finger wag last night. And the NBA draft, he minus 27 hours. Victor Wemayama at Yankee Stadium last night. You see the ball in his hands? Look at that. Let's go around the horn. Could have been a little bit better. Victor Wembanyama. Hello, USA, this week. You saw him at the Yankees game in the first pitch. He went on JJ Reddick's podcast yesterday. Here's a part of it. When someone says that you are the best prospect in a generation, that just goes in one ear and out the other. There's no pressure for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, true. No pressure for that. And then today at the league's presser. You know, I got such high expectations for myself that uh, I'm immune to all this stuff. Pablo Torre around the horn to you on the eve of being selected number one and all eyes on him. How'd you hear Victor Wembanyama? I heard a 19-year-old, Tony, who was doing what feels honestly necessary when you're trying to be at these heights and at this elevation. When it comes to basketball history, LeBron James is the only antecedent for what Victor Wembanyama's promise is. And LeBron James, let's recall, got the chosen one, the phrase, tattooed on his back. So the notion that there's any move for Victor Wembanyama to make here other than a full-on embrace, a Steven Jacksonian, I make love to pressure kind of ethos is insane to me. Of course he needs to buy into his own reality distortion field because the reality of his career is he is going to be a summit that everybody is going to try to plant their flag onto. Everyone is going to try and dunk on him, cross him over. And if you're going to be anything but a projection of invulnerability, you're treading now ground that no one else has tried before because the only one who's done it before is LeBron. Vita Cobbs, how do you hear Victor Wembanyama? I mean, he sounds like a guy who's known he's going to be in this exact position for years. And I think that's a good thing for the NBA, for the San Antonio Spurs, because part of the reason why I have so much confidence, not just I, everybody in Victor Wembanyama, is the level of maturity and preparation he's shown, not just in this media tour where he seems very savvy and polished, but also on the court. This is a 19-year-old who is not a normal 19-year-old, not just because he's over seven foot tall and can shoot threes, but because he's been playing with grown men. He's been dominating grown men in France, leading the league in points, rebounds, blocks. Uh, and as a result, he comes into this with a high floor, which is what people probably wish they had when they were playing against him. <laughs> All right, Harry Lyles Jr. How'd you hear women, Yama? He's confident, and I think that if you are the Spurs, that is the one thing that you want to hear from this young man. I mean, to me, this point, he has had to answer this, these questions of being the guy for over a year now, and we've all known that and expected it of him. But to me, for somebody with a ceiling as high as his, to hear that confidence, I think is a major thing, especially as he goes into a Spurs organization that they're still going to need to put some veterans around him, right? We also don't know how much longer Greg Popovich is going to be around. But when we talk about Victor Wembanyama, we are talking about the unique player. We, we throw that word around a whole lot with different guys, and then all of a sudden we've got two or three comps for him. This is one of one, right? And so because of that, 
yes, he's got that confidence, but also I think that's why you're going to see that immediate success. I think how far that goes depends on what the Spurs do. Well, no, let me, let me put it right here on the line for you now, Harry Lyles. Don't try to skirt this. Uh, he says he doesn't feel pressure. Allow you to lop some pressure on him. How quickly do you expect him and the Spurs to be success successful? Uh, depends on what success is. Do I think he could be an all-star year one? I do, yes. Justin Tinsley, how about you? Yeah, like, it all depends on what type of success we're talking about. If we're talking about self, this guy's being pegged as Kevin Durant on offense and Kevin Garnett on defense. That alone makes you a top 12 player of all time. And he's about to bring it every night with the league that has Joker, Anthony Davis, Giannis, and Embiid. There is a target on his back, but he's honestly going to the to the perfect franchise for it. You know, Pop is going to allow him to grow with this evolution. They're going to build that skill set. And the wild thing about this, Pop has another international superstar on his hands. The same interna interna international superstar who was born when he just won, won his second ring. So I, I think individually, we'll, we'll see the Wimby that we think we're going to see from day one. Now, the, the question is, what will San Antonio do in free agency to build a team around him? Will they get some mid-level stars around him that want to come play with him? So is he a short thing? Maybe, maybe not. But at the very least, I think this dude will be an annual all-star. Oh, but you're holding one. back a little bit. Is he a short thing? No. Maybe, maybe not. Sounds like you're I mean, holding back, Justin. I mean, I, I think I'm going to win every time I come on the show, but I don't. But, you know, I still come <laughs> back for it, so. <laughs> All right, Pablo Torre, I, I, how quick are we talking? How quick could this generational, transcendented talent turn things around? Yeah, I think the reality is if LeBron James is the precedent, if maybe Luka Doncic is the precedent, keep in mind, they didn't make the playoffs as rookies. So I think the question of can okay. Victor Wembanyama be an all-star, he better be. He better be an all-star for the guy who's hailed as the greatest draft prospect literally of all time. But can he bring his team to the postseason? Keep in mind that LeBron didn't even do that with the Cavaliers. You're trying so to, I, I, I know what you're trying to do. You're throwing that pressure on him, Pablo Torre. You're throwing pressure. He just told you he's not going to feel it. Did you see J.J. Reddick? The pressure's been tattooed onto his Redick body. Reddick was kind point. of if glowing. If he didn't get it tattooed, we did it for At him. the interview, he yes. called him enlightened. Heard him use totem as a word in a sentence when he was doing the interview. It said not just basketball, but just as his place in the universe. That's what he sees, his, his path here. So there's uh, something with him that is operating on a different level than some of the players who have come through this league recently. The first so. pitch. Bad or not bad? Considering the ball is a marble in his hand, Mita Cobbs. I mean, I, I feel like he gets the benefit of the doubt because of the, the ratio of the ball to his hand. It would be like us throwing a ping pong ball that far. Not easy. Not easy. Harry Lyles Jr. Oh. Yeah, the, the size discrepancy between the ball and his hand, it's, it's not fair to be like, hey, can you throw this like everybody else when he's not like everybody else? All right, zooming out then, number two and number three. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting the Hornets at two, focusing on Brandon Miller. That would be Alabama's Miller over the G League's Scoot Henderson. Then at three is Portland. Maybe it's Henderson, maybe it's a trade. Harry, play out the draft at two and three for me. What, what should happen here? So I think Miller at two makes the most sense just because they've already got a guard in LaMelo Ball. He fits in nicely immediately with that roster. And then to me, this gets interesting at pick three because if you're Portland picking Scoot Henderson, uh, you've got a point guard in Dame Lillard who has seemed to have made it clear that he still wants to be there. 
However, are you still going to do this awkward thing where like you're kind of not really building around him, but you know you should? So are you gonna take Scoot and then just see what happens? Or are you going to trade either that pick or are you going to take Scoot and then just move forward and trade Damon, get what you can out of him while you still have value there? I don't know what that answer is, but it needs to be one or the other because it can't be both. Justin Sinsley at two and at three, what should happen? You know, for a Hornets team that shot 33% from two last year, the second worst in the league, Brandon Miller obviously makes the most sense to pair alongside LaMelo Ball. He's that tall, uh, shot-making forward wing player that teams fall in love with every year in the draft. So unless they get a godfather offer they can't refuse, like a Zion Williamson, I think you have to take him at number two. So the real story in the draft honestly starts at three for me it, with Portland in the third pick and Scoot Henderson. What are they going to do? And no franchise in NBA history has been scrutinized more for their picks or lack thereof than the Portland Trailblazers. So they're honestly used to this feeling in this moment. But I honestly cannot see a world where Scoot Henderson and Dame Lillard share the, excuse me, share, share the same backcourt. So if they draft him, that's, that's going to speak volumes about Dame's future in Portland. Mm, okay, I see where you're going with that. Could it be possible they trade that pick after drafting Scoot Henderson or even in advance? That's the Zion equation here. Pablo Torre, I'll bring you in here on how you see the rest of this draft going after Wimanyama. Yeah, go get Brandon Miller. Get your Paul George at number two overall. That's a good idea. Scoot Henderson can't really shoot from three. That's a bad thing. But if you're the Trailblazers, Tony, I feel like Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting, like the best 10 seconds of my day is the point at which I think Dame Lillard might finally demand a trade. And he never does it. And it's just, I'm just exhausted by it. The Blazers obviously need to actually force him out of there because it's not good for them either. Like, just do it, man. You're sitting on a lottery ticket, as they say, except in this case, maybe it's just Scoot Henderson. Okay. Yeah, go get somebody else, please, for Dave. Okay, uh, and don't think I didn't hear that comp, Brandon Ingram and Paul George there. We'll get to that in a second. Mita Kives <laughs> on how this draft goes at two or three, then. I'm with Pablo. Uh, first of all, I think this is an unusually strong one, two, three by many accounts, which should make this decision easy for picks two and three. Two, go Miller. Um, I think for the fit reasons, you can make a case for both players, but it makes sense to pair him with LaMelo. Three, take Scoot and end the long national nightmare that is this slow-moving breakup between Please. Portland and Dave. Okay. Don't play it out. Don't take Scoot and say, let's see how it works. Let's go up to the trade deadline. I don't want that to happen. I want both sides to move on. I want Portland to maximize their value, and I want to see Dave Lillard on a contender. Mm -hmm. Something Brandon Miller said today is getting noticed. It was noticed by Pablo Torre here. I, I actually don't uh, think LeBron is, you know, to go to basketball, I think my go to basketball is Paul George. <laughs> Guys, could there any? Could there be a reason why you would say he's friends? He, he's so he's young. got a favorite player. So. Maybe this is another stage of enlightenment. We were talking about whether Wembenyama has reached enlightenment. Maybe this is enlightenment. Anyone? Anybody? Gotta be. It's gotta be too. That is a. All right, Tinsley, your face wins it. Your face wins it. Here's the point. Around the horn is presented by Corona. Please drink responsibly. Part of happy hour. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. NBA draft tomorrow has some teams marinating trades right now. Let's take a look at this stew from Shams Charania, a report that the Celtics, Clippers, and Wizards Talking about a three-way deal that would send Kristaps Porzingis to Boston, Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers, and draft compensation to Washington. Pablo Torre, around the horn to you. What part of this potential trade do you want to focus on? Oh, I buy the Porzingis aspect here, Tony. He was a big domino in this offseason. He's a very useful player in an era on a week in which we are fetishizing seven-footers who can shoot threes. That guy can do that. Now, he cannot play defense. The Celtics are a great fit because they have plenty of defense to go around. But this is officially the Wizards doing a year late what they should have done last season and tearing everything down. Everything useful. So you still believe in Porzingis and you believe he fits very well in Boston. Mina Kimes, how about you? Specifically there. This feels like a, I want to say a win-win-win because that so rarely happens, but it makes sense for all three parties involved. The Wizards have no interest in competing. As Pablo said, Boston needed front court help. And uh, in L.A., they needed the opposite. They needed a guard. I do wonder where it leaves Chris Paul, however, because Brogdon going to the Clippers mm. might mean there's not space for him for a homecoming. Our Lyles Jr.? I'm definitely buying the Wizards aspect of this. There is nothing worse than being a team that's just somewhere in the middle in the NBA. Either you want to be on the low end of this thing or you want to be on the top end. And since you've already gotten rid of Bradley Bailey, now you're getting rid of Chris, getting rid of Chris Epps, Porzingis. Instead of dipping your toe into the water of resetting, they're jumping in, and that is absolutely what you Okay, I don't believe the words, I'm buying the Wizards end of this ever being spoken on this show. <laughs> Maybe in 20 years. Uh, wow, okay. And Justin Tinsley, how about you? Make that two people who are buying the Wizards end of this. Bill's gone. Uh, Kuzma's likely gone. And Porzingis look, looks like he he's on his way out the door. This is what Wizards fans honestly have been asking for for the past two or three seasons. Blow this thing up. Start over. Clear some cap okay. space. And we'll figure it out on the back end. Okay. Two buyers for the Wizards here. Didn't see that coming. We'll move on. Yankee Stadium last night where Garrett Cole was dealing and Jose Caballero was doing everything he could to take his time, avoid the pitch clock penalty, and disrupt Cole. And it looked like that worked because Cole then sent a ball, look where it goes, 15 feet high over Caballero. That would not have hit Wemanyaba. That's how high that was. But 
Message received. Cole got Caballero to strike out after that, and that's when he had this extended finger wag going to the dugout. Cole said he was getting a wag from Seattle manager Scott Service, so he wagged back, and that's what you saw. ESPN counted 15 wags here. It's the debate of the day. Rita Kives, thumbs up or thumbs down on finger wag. Tony, I have not seen a wag story this petty since Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy got into it a few years ago. Look it up if you're not familiar with that. Um, look, was Caballero being annoying? Yes. Did Garrett Cole sort of predictably overreact? Also, yes. But while the matters is they only the Mariners only scored one run off of him, so it was a win for them. Ari Lyle Jr. So on that pitch, might not have hit Victor Wembanyama, but he could have caught it and put it back for a dunk, which is the, the miraculousness of him. Uh, but I will say this. It was going to be at some point that somebody was going to get Caballero back on this because it has been something that he has done repeatedly. It just so happened Garrett Cole found, and kudos to him, a great way not to just get back at him with other gamesmanship, but to not hit him with a pitch in retaliation. I thought this was great all around. Justin Tinsley. Look, I love everything about this. I love Caballero's uh, play tactics. I love Cole throwing it, basically hitting hitting the top of the Empire State Building. Okay. And I love the I love the camaraderie. I love the gamesmanship between both sides there. Even, even if they were talking junk to each other, okay. this is basically said, go sit down, don't play play stupid games. You get stupid prizes. That's what Garrett Cole was saying right here. But is the finger wag the best? And the 15 wags is that the best way to deliver the message, Pablo? How about you? Yeah, I mostly love imagining what Garrett Cole would be like dancing at a wedding reception. Because that finger was doing a lot of work, but it felt like the rest of his body not quite so rhythmic is my personal scouting report on this analysis. So for me, Tony, in a world in which everybody is celebrating and baseball can be fun, just a little less footloose, a little more full body action from Garrett okay. Cole next I, time I, would be my personal request. I don't know. I, I said it before, but name it. And Matumbo. Everybody else is, is off the, the oh, metal yeah. stand. You look right. like Mother Goose doing it. We'll move on. Wag How the White Sox beat Texas last night. This was a great game, and it was a tie game in the eighth inning, and the play at the plate, and Elvis Andrews is clearly out. However, Chicago Challenge, video review. Umpires overturned it, saying Texas catcher Jonah Heim illegally blocked the plate. Here's another look at it. Texas manager Bruce Bochy you got to imagine he's seen a lot in his six decades of baseball. He called it as bad a call as he's ever seen, said he was dumbfounded. He was tossed, of course. And the rule for illegally blocking the plate came in years ago. It's about access to the plate. The catcher not permitted to block the runner's path unless he's in possession of the ball. Though blocking the path of the runner in a legitimate attempt to receive a throw is not considered a violation. So, Harry, did the umps get this right? Did Heim illegally block the plate? I mean, maybe by the letter of the law, but that doesn't make it right in my mind. I mean, he was rounded third and he was in front of the plate without the ball, but he got out of the way well in time when he finally did have the ball in his possession. It didn't have to change Andrews' projection towards the plate. So no, this is a terrible call and it feels worse because they got it wrong on replay review. Dinsley. I didn't block the plate, he protected the plate. And it's a shame that the umps had to ruin such an entertaining game. And here's everything you need to know about this, Tony. Even the White Sox announcers disagree with the call. <laughs> Pablo Torre, how about you? You know, Tony, anybody who's asked for a little more blanky from their spouse, you're fighting over the blanket at night, and you get a little bit, just a little bit, can sympathize with what the umpires were thinking here, right? Technically, by the letter of the law, yes, you gave him some plate. Was that really enough plate? To me, probably not enough plate. Yeah. Not enough blankie either, for the record. Yeah. Mina Kimes, how about you? Those umps. I mean, 
I'm not a physicist, but if the base runner doesn't have to alter his path at all, the plate is probably not blocked. I don't understand what they possibly saw. Bob Latore going the wrong way with the blanky argument there. That's an unfortunate turn of events. Justin Tinsley, you can put it on the board. Yes, Nina Kimes, Justin Tinsley. Showdown next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Around the Horn is presented by Corona. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. Nina Kibe, Justin Zinsley, good luck in showdown. Deion Sanders has told Sports Illustrated... He's not going to the NFL because he's too old school and too tough on players to coach in the current NFL. Mita Kimes, do you believe, Dion? can you be too old school for NFL coaching now? Yes, a thousand percent. One of the reasons why we hear college coaches don't have the greatest record in the NFL is that transition from being the all-encompassing authority like Dion to being more collaborative. I think he's being self-aware here. Justin Tinsley? Yeah. Normally, I never believe somebody when they say never, but I honestly do believe uh, Coach Prime when he says this. I can't imagine him in an NFL locker room, though it would make for a great first couple of episodes of Hard Knocks. <laughs> that, that, that's true. We'll split the point. We'll move on. College World Series. And here's something that's happening off the field, but it's still worth a headline here. It appears LSU fans spent $120,000 for jello shots. That's that was as of yesterday. The big board, they're keeping in Omaha, ranking all the teams and how their fans are jello shotting it. LSU blew past a record after one person bought $6,000. All right, this is charities involved here. But I'm just talking about the idea that $6,000 worth of jello shots put them over the record. Justin, should that count or are you giving an asterisk? Yeah, those 6,000 shots came from the Raising Cane CEO. And guess what, Tony? I love a good ringer. This is a great story for me. And they were already going to break the record as it is anyway. So no asterisk. Yeah, I'm at, at a moment when the news cycle is dominated by rather dubious expenditures by the wealthy, I am okay with the Raisins Canes guy spending money on what is ultimately going to a good cause. So you agree. Mina, if you were to win FaceTime, what would your showdown be? Uh, U.S. Women's National Team roster. Justin Tinsley? Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Angels, my favorite. Oh, it is your favorite. We even just did that yesterday. We did it on the other show. We'll give the point to Mita Khan. Face time. First win. 
All right, so as I just said, the U.S. Women National Team roster was announced today for July's World Cup. Some obviously familiar names, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, who will play a big role, but also 14 players making their World Cup debuts. Many of them will start the youngest born guys in college, which makes me upset, but also very excited. Uh, July 20th is when it starts.